Welcome to the White Ice Podcast, where we discuss issues of race. I think we've buried it under the carpet and pretend like it's gone away. Culture. We have got to get back to agitating, to standing up, to making a difference, to being fearless. And our world today. We're in a whole different time. I'm your host, Vincent Harris. So sit back and enjoy this episode. So, so introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Miriam McAdoo Harris. I am the mother of Vincent Harris, and um, we're here today from a celebration of my 80th birthday, and uh, just very glad to have him here. When he asked me to do this interview, I was not uh, that excited, but for what it is going to accomplish. I am honored to do whatever I can. So, so tell everyone what you do in, in Wilson County in Lebanon. What's your sort of unofficial position? Uh, at this time, I am working with a committee that is uh, restoring one of the oldest Methodist churches uh, within this uh, Tennessee area and it will become an African-American museum and history center uh, for this community. I'm also active within my church, Pickett Rucker United Methodist Church, uh, as coordinator of inclusiveness and church historian. So we want to make sure we don't miss anything on this. You have been in uh, the United Methodist Church all your life. All of my life. And so we want to kind of uh, acknowledge that. But also you've dealt with some of the, the issues and challenges within your city uh, on racism and uh, how that has affected people in your generation and those after you. Um, so one of the questions I ask is about the challenge that uh, we have today and also that we've had about racism and so uh, do you think that racism still remains uh, the most challenging issue for the church and society today? I most certainly think racism uh, affects our everyday living and it has uh, from slavery. Uh, but one of the things that I see that racism creates uh, is, is negative um, negative attitudes toward those that are not maybe capable of doing things that they could possibly do with someone uh, helping them and that being education jobs and just everyday living uh, if you are burdened down with uh, feeling like you're not as good as the next person, that can affect you very much so. And I've seen both sides. My parents uh, worked very hard uh, for my, me and my four siblings, and uh, it wasn't easy uh, to have doors slammed in your face and having to go to the back door and having to drink from uh, black only fountains and going to the back seat of the Greyhound bus, but we survived it and uh, really feel good about a lot of things that are going on now, but uh, we have a long way to go. 
And since you've been in the church, um, you've seen uh, before merger and, and after merger. And if you were going to rate the United Methodist Church on a scale of, of one to ten, where would you where would you place the uh, the church on, on its re, on its race relations? Well, it's sad to say, but I'd say two or three because um, even with the time that I've been very active within this church and worked with our youth, uh, we have uh, gone from the cluster meetings with uh, other youth groups and even with adults that doesn't exist anymore. We had the Ebony and Ivory uh, conference every year in January celebrating the uh, legacy of Dr. King and I think things like that are very helpful uh, for young people. And, and so when we merged, uh, and I think that that's important to know for people that uh, there have been opportunities in times when um, uh, African-American churches and Anglo churches came together, uh, especially after merger, trying to present and also to, to, to develop some better relationships. But since that time, there have been, uh, there's been less emphasis mm -hmm. on, on race mm -hmm. relations and trying to come together. Um, so do you think that this merger has, has helped or hindered the potential especially of black Methodist churches and its leaders? Has, has, it, has it done something to, to kind of create, um, strengthen, or has it, has it really just kind of not helped to, to move us forward? So how do you think that the relationship uh, has worked? Well, I think it has done both because there are opportunities that African-Americans would not have gotten without uh, the merger, uh, and this church offers so many positive things uh, in the life of a United Methodist so uh, but even at that sometimes <clears throat> it seems that you don't feel uh, included with some of the things that go on you, you, you're not at the table for some of the things that come down to the local church uh, you accept it and you move on but um, I feel like it's been both okay um. We've got a lot of churches that um, are closing. We've got a lot of churches that are in decline. Do you have any um, any things in your own mind, your experience that may help, that would would uh, kind of turn the tide, that would, that would help us to kind of do uh, something to help us grow, to help us at least relate to people uh, in our community and uh, and build a better church? I think. Um We've gotten away from our Westland heritage, uh, and I feel if we uh, begin to concentrate more on that, uh, we would be more successful in this uh, United Methodist Church. Uh, does that make sense? Oh yeah, and, and I think that if you talk about Wesleyan heritage, a lot of people sometimes associate that with some um, uh, conservative uh, movement or, or something that is much more fundamentalist, but uh, the, the tenets of, of, of the Wesleyan grace uh, uh, understanding, the doctrine of grace and how it impacts uh, every person's life uh, is something that we in the church uh, sometimes don't uh, 
uh, place enough emphasis on, especially being United Methodist. Uh, and, and I guess it probably is a, a challenge to some people because they don't know. Uh, right. that they're ignorant to, uh, don't understand what uh, Wesleyan uh, grace is uh, is attempting to to exhibit in people's lives right. and what it does for people and bringing them to sort of a uh, the, the same place. You know, nobody's yes. better than anybody yes. else. Um, and sometimes we, we, we get in our own way. Do you think that there have been obstacles uh, or do you know of any obstacles that, that, that African Americans have put in their own way in dealing with the race problem in the United Methodist Church? I do. Um, I think we have lost our connection as a people. And although we've accomplished a lot, and uh, but we've uh, become complacent, I think. And uh, our leadership has weakened, and it doesn't seem to be as important as it was uh, when we were really struggling in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, we had leaders that were there for us, and I don't think that's happening now within our community. Wow. So now that we are um, in this place uh, and we had uh, and still do the, the organizations that were promoting uh, not only uh, racial justice, but also to help uh, agitate in places where we weren't uh, at the table. Uh, number one, you know, BMCR uh, is that place that we uh, use to, to ad address racial justice uh, as, the, uh, as the gadfly, as the agitator. Um, do you know uh, anything about how or if BMCR is becoming a, a force again, or do they seem to have lost their their energy uh, as far as uh, as racial justice is concerned? I would certainly hope that um, the energy is, is being revived uh, because um, we've had some great times with the uh, with BMCR and the last thing that we were hoping to have at our church was some of the classes on strengthening the black church and that opportunity, uh, it was there, but I guess we didn't take advantage of it. And I think that has been one of the things in the last 10 years that has really hurt uh, the African-American churches. And even though maybe sometimes that the church doesn't seem to want to embrace that, to move forward and to make disciples of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to have that type of leadership. Okay. Well, you know, you got a lot of lot of history, and you got a lot of information about uh, the church and how it's kind of grown and um, not moved in a, in a way that has uh, included everyone, and also about how we as African Americans need to, to to grow and develop into better better understand one another as well as the church. Are there any ways that you can see that you could better connect with your your generation? I mean, you. You say you're not a baby boomer, you're not a Gen Xer, you're prior, you're before that. Uh, so how do you think we could have better relationships? Because the people of your generation really uh, were people who were a part of that first movement. You were a part of the civil rights movement. And so how do you think we could have better authentic relationships in the church um, racially, uh, just in connection with your own generation? 
Well, as uh, we were talking earlier about the older adult ministry, which uh, has just become uh, the last few years uh, within the Tennessee Conference. Uh, that being said, uh, we've gone to several meetings, but uh, the hospitality sometimes when we break, go into our rooms to break for different sessions, it's, it's not like you are really uh, wanted from the expressions from some faces that uh, are in this uh, session and that uh, makes conversation on the way back home. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, but uh, as an, a person in my 80s, well, just turned 80, uh, the respect for older adults within this system uh, it hasn't been one that uh, makes you feel real good about. And I think coming together with persons of my generation and let them know that they still have wisdom and they can contribute to uh, the younger generation uh, would be very important to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, the last question that I have, and you may have some comments you want to make after this, but uh, what are some things that you could share that you think would be helpful for a better outcome for black churches and black communities and leaders? Well, I think we've, uh, we've lost our, ident our identity as uh, families uh, and, and even community uh, and I feel if we can come together as a family, not just our personal families, but friends and others that we have um, been in, in contact with over the years, and just start this same conversation of how we can come together, even in this small town, uh, I think we can make it a better place. But I think with this young generation, we're going to have to acknowledge that they are brilliant. They have a lot to contribute. And uh, we can work together. The older, those of us that have done our ministries share what we know will work. And I think embracing of the grace of God that uh, young people will be able to carry on as we move on out. That's not a good phrase. <laughs> That's fine. So um, I really have uh, enjoyed the conversation and, uh, and I know that uh, there's a lot more that you probably have and we'll see uh, later on if we yes. can get, get back with you and do some more, more conversations because this is going to go on for a year. So uh, do you have anything as far as a closing comment you'd like to make before we close out today? Well, the only thing I can say is I appreciate you as a son. You have made us proud and to come in for my 80th birthday and make it one of my happiest. I certainly appreciate having this opportunity. Uh, I'm a Methodist to the core and I love this church, but I know there's a lot uh, we can do to make it better. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. 
And uh, this is Mary Harris. She is uh, a, a trailblazer uh, for the, uh, the city of Lebanon and the county of Wilson and the state of Tennessee uh, and a real McAdoo from Bluebird. We'll talk to you later. Hope you enjoyed that episode. See you next week.